Good evening and thank you for joining us tonight. Our topics include a two-part discussion on people getting cancelled, especially after Tucker's comments of the US military. Then we talk about Cuomo's updated situation as the seventh accuser comes forward. Next, the HR1 seems to be stuck because of the Senate filibuster. So Democrat Senate leader Chuck Schumer wants to potentially take that out. Last, some discussion of the border and Pelosi's interview with ABC. Now, I haven't been talking about the whole Meghan Markle situation because I think it's rather a pointless scheme to gain attention for the viewers. But I will talk about it now because of the cancel culture behind it in recent days. Piers Morgan, a famous English broadcaster who had left Good Morning Britain in recent days due to his disputes with one of the co-hosts over the uh, interview with Meghan and Harry. Now, Morgan questioned the motives of the interviewees and that drew criticisms from the left. The narrative was that you have to believe the victim 100% of the time. Of course, this further developed when CBS took off their show, The Talk, as one of the co-hosts, Sharon Osbourne, defended Morgan from being accused by another co-host, Cheryl Underwood. Morgan tweeted in response to the cancellation. He says, The real scandal is me being branded a racist for refusing to believe a liar. Now, all of this is not the important part, as we know that this is all part of the cancel culture. And it's about canceling each other, it's about canceling shows, it's about canceling everything that they see unfit to the narrative. But the problem is, when the media world is so quick to cancel shows just because of opinions of people who are paid to give opinions, how does this in any way promote the so-called progress forward? If people can't even in any shape or form give their input, are we progressing or regressing? Now that is just the hypocrisy of the left. And this is just the one-party rule narrative at play. You either agree with the opinion of the ruler, or you have no rights to give your opinion. And this is just so radical and extreme to me. Now I think people are tired of politics in general, and I think people are tired of what's going on with this crazy world. Now in terms of Trump's exit from the White House, that has actually correlated with a huge decline in ratings and viewership of a number of cable news shows. Variety says in their survey, without Trump, CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News have all seen an overall decline in their viewership. CNN Tonight with Don Lemon appeared to encounter the most significant drop at about 33% from November 30th to March 5th. Anderson Cooper 360 saw a similar 32% decline. And Cuomo Primetime, hosted by Chris Cuomo, saw about 29% decline overall. Whereas on MSNBC, All In with Chris Haynes slipped about 17%, while Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell fell 18%, and Rachel Maddow's show had a 9% drop. And on Fox News, Sean Hannity's show dropped nearly 12%, and The Ingram Angle dropped 9.2%. As well, the only one who appears to have been left relatively unscathed is Tucker Carlson's Tonight Show, with about 5% dip. Now during his 2016 campaign and the four year in office, as I discussed previously, Trump regularly and was still in as the top nightly news story. You hear about Trump everywhere you go, and a variety had noted that without Trump, there's no easy fix for legacy news outlets. Now speaking of a rather bizarre series of events, Tucker had one that took place on Friday last week. The incident started with Tucker Carlson's recent criticism of the Biden administration's handling of military priorities. 
Carlson made a comparison between the Chinese communist regime addressing a lack of masculinity in Chinese boys, as well as amassing the world's largest navy fleet with the Biden administration's focus on accommodating women in the military. Now, in a recent speech, Biden went over the efforts, such as tailoring uniforms specifically for women, designing a maternity flight suits, and relaxing hairstyle regulations. Tucker's criticisms come amid multiple of Biden's progressive policies focusing on what appears to be appealing to the progressive crowd. While some have interpreted the segment as criticizing the administration for distracting the military from its warfighting missions, others have interpreted it as a way for Carlson to oppose women's role in the military. Now, some feedback from, I guess you would call it from Twitter, one of the U.S. Marine Corps posted a streak of comments that targeted Tarleson's comments. And on March 12th, the Twitter account called Second Marine Expeditionary Force Information Group posted a picture of a female Marine carrying a fellow Marine. And these have since been deleted, but it reads what it looks like in current armed forces at Tucker Carlson. Get right before you get left boomer. And then a user commented with, quote, please focus on China and not on Tucker Carlson to which the USMC account came back with a reply, quote, came back or come back when you've served and been pregnant. The USMC account later apologized in a series of tweets and deleted the original tweets, but this was after Senator Ted Cruz sent a letter to request a meeting with the head of the Marine Corps. And Cruz wrote on Twitter saying, under Biden, the military is launching political attacks to intimidate Tucker Carlson and other civilians who criticize their policy decisions. Over the weekend, this Twitter account stated that it had messed up in its comments and in regarding to responding to Carlson. But their tweet says, We're human and we messed up. What was intended as a tweet in support of our female Marines and sisters serving in uniform was clearly not aligned with our standard practices or an appropriate representation of the Marine Corps. We will do better and serve the people. However, Cruz made note of several seemingly unusual statements from the military's response including one from the Space Force Command's senior enlisted leader, Marine Corps Master Gunnery Sergeant Scott Stalker, who said in a video that Carlson's opinion is, quote, based on zero days of service in the armed forces. Stalker appeared to be wearing his uniform in the video. As well, Army Sergeant Major Michael Grinston also criticized the Fox host, while Defense Department spokesman John Kirby, who was a retired rear admiral and former CNN analyst, wrote a statement saying, Press Secretary Smites Fox host that dissed diversity in U.S. military. Cruz, in the letter to Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, wrote that he is deeply troubled by how the Pentagon has mobilized systematic public attacks against television host Tucker Carlson that in substance, tone, and political resonance are inexplicable, inappropriate. As Carlson said regarding the military's increasing focus on identity politics, he says, how do sex changes in the military make this country safer? That's not a trick question. It's not another volley in the culture war. It's the only question that matters, literally, the only question that matters. But no one bothered to ask it, probably because no one can remember why the U.S. military exists. So first of all, I think it's no secret that the new military under Biden is more focused on providing gender politics, racial equality, and a whole load of non-military definition actions. And I think we all agree the goal of the military was never to secure women's rights or racial equality. That's not the point of the military. That's not their job. 
And it's honorable that women are serving and do serve in the military, but that's not the job of the military to promote these ideas. And just as the military is not partisan, it should not side with politics. The reason I call gender and race politics is because the left has been using these two issues to gain political footholds. What the USMC Twitter account did was pretty much unacceptable as a professional entity, let alone a government entity. Now, the way it was treated felt like someone's personal feelings were attacked and they felt like they were hurt by it. However, what the top commanders and the sergeants replied with is de definitely not good either. Now, if only this energy spent on trying to silence a political commentator was actually used towards getting Iran to stop building missile houses, that would be great. But what is the underlying issue here? Well, it's actually the same playbook strategy that's been playing out over and over again. It's about making the US military weak and sensitive as they were before 2016. By focusing the goal of the military to social issues, you've successfully taken away their core mission values and the soldiers are now unable to focus on what their military principles tell them to do and start worrying about all these feelings getting hurt or so what you call that. And that is when you have lost the soul of the military. In our third topic today, New York Governor Cuomo is now facing seven accusers on sexual misconduct allegations. Again, with this, Cuomo's actions with the death of the nursing home patients is going unnoticed by most media and is still hidden and ignored by the mainstream media. Whether he goes down or not, that is not the real issue. The nursing home deaths, that's the real issue. New York State Assemblyman Ron Kim says in a tweet, though, that he will hold Cuomo accountable for the deaths in the nursing home even after he goes down from the sexual misconduct allegations. However, Harvard Law School professor Emeritus Alan Dershowitz said on Saturday that since accusations don't constitute guilt in the United States, Cuomo should not prematurely resign in response to the sexual harassment allegations against him. Dershowitz told Newsmax host Carl Higby, accusations don't constitute guilt. And he says he wrote a book about it called Guilt by Accusation. So I think the governor should stick to his guns. Let there be a full investigation. Now, reports from Jack Posobiec alleges Vice President Kamala Harris actually wants Cuomo out from the situation, as in want him to step down. This comes as Biden was asked about the situation over the weekend. Joe Biden on Sunday broke his silence, responding to a question about whether the governor should immediately resign. I think the investigation is underway and we should see what it brings us. Now, you think the Democrats are abandoning Cuomo. Well, I mean, it makes sense to think so, and it's for two reasons. One of it is to shift the blame to just this guy. And two, it's to bury all of the Democrat policies for the lockdowns and everything else and let him take the blame for all of it. Now, as long as Cuomo can resign, all of this will go away with him. Now, for the governor, he's going to be experiencing getting backstabbed by the Democrats. It's an awkward situation, but it has to be done. Otherwise, the entire party goes down and faces repercussion with him. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Kristen Gillibrand urged Cuomo to resign, arguing the governor has lost the confidence of his governing partners and the people of New York. And other congressional lawmakers who are also calling for his resignations include Representatives Carolyn Maloney, Gerald Nadler, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, all from New York. And this will be the easy way out for pretty much everybody in the Democratic Party because they can get away with the entire situation with the nursing home deaths, and it's not just in New York State. This is all in a lot of the blue states too. 
And it also alleviates the public opinions, all of the negative discourses with the long lockdowns, with all of the bad COVID policies. And he could also have a shift in power within the party too. The radical Democrats are the ones who are calling for the resignation. And this includes Kamala Harris's plan to take over the control for pretty much even more than now. Since Nancy Pelosi seems to be the other hand that's also running the show. Nancy Pelosi, on the other hand, has not fully called the end of Cuomo, though she said women are to be believed. And now this just shows a two-way power struggle between Nancy's wing and Harris's wing. It's the less progressive versus the more progressive. And there's another indicator to this too. While Pelosi and Schumer are busy pushing bills into law, she is ruling in the Congress as the indirect president. Kamala Harris, on the other hand, is also taking calls from global leaders without Biden. So all this shows is that Biden is just a puppet and who's actually running the show behind the scene? Well, it's either Pelosi or Harris. And we're not seeing much action right now because all of this is done behind the scenes in their name of so-called unity. Speaking of the Democrats, the most prominent bill and the most important, the HR1, is anticipating a debate in the Senate soon, but not before Schumer, the leader of the Senate Democrats, want to end the filibuster rules. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said on Sunday, changing or eliminating the filibuster is possible if Republicans continue opposing Democrat legislative priorities. The filibuster is a 60-vote threshold in the upper chamber to end the debate on a proposal and bring it to a vote. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell last week called it the essence of the Senate, adding it's the only legislative body in the world where a majority is not enough for most things on the legislative side. It should not be changed. McConnell also noted that Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat, and also Krista Sinema, who is also a Democrat, have indicated that they both don't want the filibuster axed. So I think it's as scary as it sounds, the only thing right now preventing the Democrat from establishing a one-party state is actually a single rule in the Senate, the filibuster. And unless Biden wants to rule by executive orders for four years, there has to be some laws that are passed. The Democrats can't just let the opportunity of having a double majority in both chambers pass up. So can the filibuster be removed? Well, from what I read, the filibuster removal itself requires a 60 vote as well. So you have to filibuster vote the filibuster, if you will. But this also could be a chance for the Democrats to see how many Republican senators from the other side who are willing to work with Democrats. They need 10, but if they can get five to six, then it might be a good indication as to what the future holds in terms of working between the parties. However, again, it goes back to the bill. Can it pass in the first place? The HR1 won't pass with any regular ways in my opinion. But this also gives in, in the grounds that everything's normal. But given how crazy everything is right now, and things are not playing by the rules in the entire world, who knows? But what is suspicious to me is the fact that they're willing to try to pass something highly unlikely to pass in the Senate, knowing that filibuster exists. What's behind that? Now, maybe it's for generating public attention, as the HR1 is marketed as the Democrats' one bill to save all from election issues. I mean, it's bound to make people believe that the bill is a savior and it must be passed. So generating public discussion is definitely possible. Then again, we arrive at what the public thinks about what took place in the 2020 election. To the people that who legitimately didn't think that the election was stolen, who think the election was perfectly fine, 
they might actually believe that the HR1 is the bill to pass. And that is scary. Now, speaking of elections, Pelosi appears to be okay with investigating the election results disputes in New York. Pelosi on Sunday excused Democrats who launched an investigation into possibly unseating an elected GOP House representative, explaining that the margin of victory was extremely slim. It was six votes. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks defeated her Democratic opponent, Rita Hart, in just a six-vote margin. Miller-Meeks was ultimately seated in Congress after votes were counted, recounted, and certified by the states. And this was several days ago. So the House Administration Committee started a process that could lead to Miller-Meeks getting unseated. So Pelosi seems to be okay as long as the votes are extremely small in margin. So what if we extrapolate to the states like Georgia and Arizona for the 2020 election? Maybe we should investigate those as their margin was also quite small. Interesting how the hypocrisy has been played from the left. In our last topic, very shortly, I just wanted to mention this. So House Speaker Nancy Pelosi admitted that there is a humanitarian challenge at the border, but ruled out calling it a full-fledged crisis. On the other hand, Republicans are calling it a fault of the current administration. Pelosi, on the other hand, likes to blame Trump for everything, especially when it comes to border problems. In an interview with ABC's George Stephanopoulos, she says this is a humanitarian challenge to all of us, saying that the, because President Joe Biden's administration has inherited a broken system at the border, they're working to correct that in the children's interest. So what I find is quite weird for her to say is that Trump's entire campaign promise was based on strengthening the border and preventing illegal immigration from happening as much as possible. So for her to say that this statement, that Trump is the one who's responsible for all of the illegal immigration stuff, it's quite irresponsible. I mean, Biden took out on his first day the construction of the wall, along with wanting to promote illegal immigration as an entire new policy. The Biden administration on Saturday announced it would deploy the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, to the border over the next three months. And that is it for tonight. Thanks so much for watching tonight's episode.